Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host and producer this evening, uh, Louis McCaffrey, and tonight I'm joined by my usual right-hand man, Christopher Somani. Hello, Louis. Good evening. I'm excited to see what you produce this evening. Um, looking forward to another tremendous episode of the Cynic Weekly. I'll uh, I'll probably be more Greg Taylor than uh, Lee Griffiths, put it that way. But um, you know, I'll try and improve. Uh, I'm also joined by Barry Gallagher. How you doing, Louis? Uh, also looking forward to seeing how your your debut goes. Hopefully, a good few early touches, and then you'll settle right in. I'm I'm gonna have to explain this a wee bit once I introduce the man himself, Mister Protein Brian McManus. Uh, hi, Louis. Mr. Producer, I'm really, I'm, I'm, in, I'm more excited than I ever have been to see just how awesome a job you do, and you, you seem to be lacking a notepad and pen. I would be yeah. prepared for lots of points. Edit <laughs> points, yeah. So basically, um, what's happened here is Gal's moved house. He's not got the internet yet, and he is, um, he's basically messaged me 10 minutes before we went on to say oh by the way you're going to record everything which is a totally different process producing it to just being the diddy host so there will be no edit points gal because uh i can't even see the time on the screen to keep track of it so we're just going to have to see how this goes it's a family friendly show remember boys um anyway let's get let's get into it um we're going to start off with the transfer window, I think, is, is probably the best place to start um, with it closing last night. It always slams shut, um, so it slammed shut last night at 11 o'clock. We did have a wee bit of business done. We finally signed a, a left-back. Um, you know, I feel a wee bit sorry for Greg Taylor, a tiny, tiny little bit, because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but we've all been desperate to sign a left-back to replace him. Um, you know, I love how the Celtic website made it out to be he'll be coming in as cover. He won't be coming in as cover. Um, he'll be the first choice left back. But we have signed uh, Laxalt from AC Milan. Um, he's 27, uh, played pretty much all his career, most of his professional career in Italy and Serie A. So I personally don't know much about him. I, I don't know if maybe Samani, if, if you know a wee bit more, having watched more uh, Serie A over recent years. But, you know... I think on paper, um, although he's maybe not played a lot at AC Milan, um, you know, on paper, I think it looks like a, a shrewd bit of business. Someone, hopefully, that needs to kind of rekindle their career a little bit. And, uh, you know, it might just be the case that Celtic is a, a great fit for him. Certainly, you would hope better than Greg Taylor. Is that is that too much to ask? Minimum, we ask, obviously. Um, I mean, I've... Laxalt, I, I know I'm not going to sit here and say I know a huge amount about him, but I was aware of him and I remember him um, playing for Genoa uh, a couple of times. More so his hair, though, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't really him that stuck out in my head. It was the fact that uh, he's he's doggedly sticking by that hairdo. Um, but he's exactly the sort of signing we should be making. He's, you know, a guy who's played for big clubs, um you know, being in loan at, you know, somewhere like Genoa and, and had success. And then maybe it's just not quite worked out when he's got that move. Such, same as like a Yeti would come into that category. Um, El Yunusi as well, he's going to Southampton. These are guys who we'd probably able to give a, a different sort of platform than some clubs are. And, and he can flourish. He can absolutely flourish um, uh, on the pitch for us. Now, 
there was some stuff on Twitter about Milan fans being happy for him to go and things like that. But again, that's we got that with Ajeti as well with the West Ham fans. So for me, it's that we could be the exact environment for this guy to flourish. Um, and I'm really pretty excited to see him come in, especially as it's been mentioned that um, he played in a three-five-two for Genoa. So if that's something that we're going to um, we're going to be pursuing for part of this season, he he could be the missing piece of the jigsaw. Yeah, I was just going to say similar. Um, just interesting what you said there, Sir Mary, about it seems to be that that's the market um, that we go for because Lennon said earlier today that he's kind of been aware of this guy uh, for the best part of a year. Um, he said similar about Ayeti, as you said. Uh, I remember he said about Benkovic as well, so it's almost, or uh, Celtic said about Benkovic, so it's almost as if we scout these guys, they get the big move that we couldn't f- afford. Um, first time round, and then if it doesn't work out for them, we can pick them up. Um, in Touchwood, so far, it seems to be working for us. So, yeah, excited to see him. Um, if he's tailor-made for a... Pardon the pun, tailor-made. If he's tailor-made for a 3-5-2, that's just what we need. Um, and I believe he's... I think it was Marek that said he's pretty lightning quick. So him on one side and Frimpong on the other is a sort of mouth-watering prospect. So looking forward to it. See, see, just before you came in, Brian, do you think that this was, you know, Neil Lennon said that they've been tracking him for a while and all that sort of thing. I mean, this wasn't a name that was in the press. Now, I'm not saying that the press know everything. They clearly don't. But do you think he's just saying that or do you think this was a kind of longer term target or do you think this has been, this is the best available because we didn't get the, you know, the the boy from Charlton and, and things like that? I think it kind of shows maybe the difference we have just now in terms of not just having one target. I think Laxalt himself came out and said he heard about it a week ago. Um, and that could have been that maybe there was an initial target, whether it was it was Dotty or or A and other. Um, that's maybe not came off, so they've moved to the next available, which I really like. Something we've been talking about for ages where we need to have a, a good scouting system that gives us a number of options. Um, so I'm delighted. I've watched a wee bit of him. Didn't, to be totally honest, I wasn't aware of him before we signed him. Um, but I've watched a wee bit of him over the past couple of days. And um, one thing that does stand out is just how fast he is. He's um, lightning quick, which if we have Frimpong on the other side, I think it's going to really make a difference if we do play this 3-5-2. Because just now, as much as we all want a 3-5-2, it's not working. And I think, as much as I don't want to be too disparaging about Greg Taylor, I do think that he impact on that formation, the way he plays the game. Um, and I think this this boy will make such a difference to it. Overall, obviously, we, you know, we, arguably, I think that a lot of people have said this has been their best transfer window possibly ever for Celtic. Um, just to, to go through the names quickly, our rivals, we had uh, Ajeti, Barkas, Shane Duffy, uh, David Turnbull and Diego Laxalt. And then... Outgoings, we had Abu Kuasi, uh, Benu, Calvin Miller, Johnny Hayes, Craig Gordon, um, Bolingoli, obviously, Bio, uh, the likes of Jack Hendry and Marion Schwed also went out, uh, Joseph Simonovic, uh, um, and of course, loans ending, the likes of Fraser Foster and stuff. Do you think we come at this stronger and, you know, how much stronger? I mean, obviously, you've got the the FUD that is Charlie Nicholas, you know, saying how Rangers have had a better window and, and all that. And I, I don't really want to give him too much airtime. But, I mean, personally, I'm 
I'm delighted. I think if if you were offered this at the start of the transfer window, allied with keeping all your big names, I mean, that's also a, another massive point, the fact that Eddie and Cham, Ayer, all these players who have been linked away, whether they actually had concrete offers is a different thing, but, you know, keeping a hold of them is massive. But bringing in that quality, I mean, there's no real, there's no projects. I think it's all players that come straight into the start of living. You can't really ask for it anymore. Um, I, th- I think it's been an excellent window. Um, I was actually thinking, what would what would I have added to make it even better? You know, I would say eight and a half out of ten. I still, and this is me being picky. I would have probably I still preferred Foster over Barcast just because you know exactly what you're getting. And I think, especially with the news before us today, covering the wide right might have been nice. But that's just me being picky. Um, I think to have made the calibre of signings we've had and the level they're at, as opposed to guys you're, you're taking a punt on. Um, the fact that these are all guys who are either going to be first-team regulars, starters, or they're going to be close to that. I mean, even even Turnbull would put, would be the least least um, experienced and least close to going straight into the team, I would say. And you can see him contributing a lot this season. So we've actually gone out. The, the board have kind of put their money where their mouth is to an extent, and we've nailed down six guys who are going to make a difference to the first team. I can't remember when we've ever done that. Uh, and I suppose it's, it's a statement of intent. And you'd have to be nitpicking like I was there to want too much more. Um, it's 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 refreshing, actually. Especially in the, the climate with coronavirus, you know, and how much that's impacted and things, I suppose. Yep, I was um, made a point of checking the Senate WhatsApp group earlier on. And we started that group in oh, November. Always doing- Always dangerous when you're at work, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> November 2013, that group was started. And I think this is the first transfer window I haven't had to defend Peter Lawwell in that group. <laughs> um, and it's amazing for so many reasons. Like all the players we've brought in, um, like Sir Manny said, fantastic. Um, the first time I remember they've all been either starters or certainly, you know, knocker on the door of the first team. But massively important is we kept. Kept the big players, Eddie Ayer and um, and Cham. Kept them all, um, even others like maybe Christine's, so on. In a season where we're dealing with a pandemic, we get knocked out of the Champions League. Um, there's various other issues to deal with, and we kept all the big players. So I'm I'm absolutely over the moon with the, the transfer window. Yeah, just I completely agree with everything that both the boys have said there. That everything we've sort of asked for, um, players going straight into the team. Um, no projects. And if you look at all the players that have left, the only one you would say you would really miss would be Foster, but that could we could forget all about him if Barkers continues to develop or put in the performances that he has. I know he's not really been tested um, too much, but the signs there are good. So Foster's yeah. also a dirty smell of that, Barry. That's which... true, and Barkas isn't, so there we go. Yep, absolutely. Um, and even if, even if we had got Foster... It would just be the problem that we would have again next summer um, because he was a loan signing. So it's good that the keeper's ours. Um, yeah, and I don't think we'll miss anyone who's left. So it's, it's we've kind of got rid of the deadwood plus added first-team players. And I think that's what we've been crying out for for years, um, just to strengthen the team rather than the squad, I think. Yeah, and I think we've got to say, you know, uh, God bless Nick Hammond. He's, uh, he's clearly came in and had a, a different approach to things. Um, and, 
you know, the, the work, you, you would hope, I mean, this is something I've, I've said in previous podcasts, you know, I find it frustrating sometimes that you don't know what's happening behind the scenes and there's not a lot of transparency with fans as to the structures in place and how things work. Um, but, you know, you would hope that this this window, which clearly has been a, a massive improvement on previous windows in the last couple of years, it hints to a, a better structure and organisation behind the scenes, and and he's the head of that. Um, and you know that we don't know a, a lot about these guys and how they work in their uh, CVs and things. But you know, it looks like Nick Hammond is the right man for the job, and he's he's certainly played a blinder here. So you know, more power to the guy. Um, what I thought we would do tonight. Um, obviously, it's the international break, so there's no there's no game coming up um, this week. The next game, of course, is um, is against Rangers um, at home. Well, that was quite an edit point, there, Louis. Well, I know, I know, it almost was a edit point. I really wanted to say the H word, but I never. I pulled it back. Um, so yeah, well, I think next week, probably, and next week, Cynic Weekly will pretty much just be a preview podcast talking about the game. So we're not going to get into that game uh, just yet. But what I thought we would do this week is maybe just run through the squad um, and have a look and see what we're, you know, where our strengths lie, where we're maybe weak, and see if you know Neil Lennon can't do it. But let's see if we can pick a strongest eleven from from what we've got now that the window's shut. Um, so we'll start off. With goalkeepers, I think it's fairly obvious who's going to be in goals is uh, Scott Bain, the Bain train. Um, so we've got Barkas, Bain and, and Connor Hazard as our three goalkeepers. So Manny, do you want to kick us off? Obviously, Barkas is number one. Are you happy with what is there behind him? And, and you know, have you got massive worries about, you know, not having Foster or can you can you see the benefit in, in what we've got right now? Yeah, I would want Forster. I've already said that. Forster's the best keeper I've seen at Celtic. Forster probably had the best season at Celtic last year. So yeah, I think you'd be daft to not have wanted them to come back. And I take Barry's point about it might have been another loan and we would be in that position again. But how colossal he was for his last season would mean that if it was if I was given the choice, I would have brought him back this season. <clears throat> Barkas, I still... I wouldn't say the jury's out, that's not fair, but he still hasn't been tested enough to make a, a complete assessment on him for me. I like his handling. I like how he gets the ball moving quickly. That's, you know, he seems good with the ball at his feet. That's, he seems like a bit of a Brendan Rodgers keeper. Sorry, the rat keeper. Um, but he, that's the one thing I do like about him. Now, he made a couple of smart saves against Ross County, but there's not been anything... There's not been a, a Forster moment, if you will. There's not been even even some of the saves Gordon could make. We've not seen him have to do that yet. Now, that's the only question mark that, that, that you'll have over him. I, I don't know how good he would be in those sort of situations. I don't agree with some people that said, like with Ferenc Varos, that you know, he was at fault for the goal, or even the 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 boy, was it Saran? Serrano, the, the Livingston player. Some people saying that he should have done better with that. I think that was incredibly harsh as well. So for me, he's not done anything wrong yet, but I don't think he's been tested to the extent that we can say how good he is. And I don't think I'm being unfair when I say that. I just think that's an assessment on um, how how potent teams have been against us. They haven't really been this season. 
everyone else I, I mean I suppose Barkas is your number one and, and that's kind of it there's not real you know I suppose the better question is are you happy with Scott Bain and, and the role that he's in I mean I, I think when he was getting when he was getting game time there was a lot of people very critical of him and very much saying he, he is only a number two he's only a backup Um so, you know, is he good enough for that role then? You know, obviously we had Fraser Foster, we had Craig Gordon, two, two experienced players and one, you know, standout. So is Bain okay as, as, as a number two? I think um, for domestically, yeah, he's fine. Um, as you said, a lot of people were saying that um, he was made to be a number two. And I think for the quality that he's at, um, you would hope, touch wood, that he doesn't have to play that many games. Um, but I think... For your bog standard running a mill um, domestic games, he's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Just checking, Louis, you do know this is an audio podcast as opposed to a video podcast, just when you're showing your branded t shirt there. I know, man, it's the same branded t shirt I wear every podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's my comfiest t shirt. I just like wearing it in the house. Um, I bet. Bit sketchy, but there you go. Um, right, okay. We, I think we're kind of. I think we're, there's not too much to talk about with the goalkeepers. To be fair, but defenders, um, you know, you've got to look at this through the eyes of a three-five-two, I guess, because that's very much. Uh, I think, especially with the, with the lax out signing, it really does look as if that's the formation we're going with, and, and that's it. Which, listen, I think we can debate that um, till we're blue in the face, but. You know, a lot of us wanted it, and I think we need to kind of give it time to work. Um, and, and bringing in the right players, everybody said if you're going to play 3 5 2, you need to have proper wing backs and all that sort of thing. So I think that's been addressed, hopefully. Um, but you know, we've got uh, Christopher Julian uh, not playing just now, but you know, he's back fit, um, and in the, in the squads again. So you get Julian Duffy Ayer. Uh, and then you've also got El Hamid who's been playing as, as part of that back three. Uh, wing backs, full backs, you've got Frimpong, Laxalt, um, and obviously El Hamid could play on the right if we were playing a flat back four. And then obviously Greg Taylor as well on the left hand side. Um, one man who is still, you know, he's clinging on to the to the badge and the contract for as long as he can, Anthony Ralston, still very much a part of things on the Celtic website. Um, but I doubt we'll see him again, to be honest. But again, defence, happy with it. And what is your, what would be your kind of preferred back three if that's what we're going to go with? Does Julian just come straight back in? I, I would think so. I think Duffy, Ayer and Julian have a making of a really good back three. Um, it's just been unfortunate, obviously, pretty much since we signed Duffy that Julian's not been fit. Um and obviously, Beaton's came in, done a reasonable job. El Hamed's been kind of okay, a few dodgy moments. But um, in Ayer, Duffy and, and Julian, I think that seems pretty solid. Um, and with the capabilities of Laxalt and Frimpong in terms of getting forward and back, I think that could could really, really work. I, um, my only concern would be Ayer's pretty quick. So down, uh, I know Ayer's been playing sort of on the left, hasn't he? The left of the three. Um but I was thinking up against Kent, for example, um, either side of the back three, uh, pace-wise, I would worry about Julian a wee bit because um, he's used to playing in the centre, but that would be my only concern. But I agree with Brian, I think Ayer, Duffy and Julian, they've kind of got all different uh, skill sets 
Um, I are stepping out of the ball, Julian, to a lesser extent, and Duffy is a sort of old-fashioned stopper. So, yeah, happy with that. I mean, maybe I like one more, because um, as we know, Beaklin and Elhamid have their injury uh, problems. Um, yeah, so. I was just going to say that, Barry. I, f- I forgot to mention Beaton and also Welsh as well, who hasn't seen any game time yet. But, you know, you would imagine we're going to get gubbed with injuries at centre-half, so he'll probably get a fair bit of game time at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah. so he'll be covered, but I think in an ideal world, as Sermani spoke about, um, I would have liked one more centre-half, but I think on paper, the, the three first-choice centre-halves are, are pretty good, and um, you'd imagine they'd be pretty solid for most of the games that we would face. I'd agree. That, that, that back three of Ayer, Julian and Duffy almost picks itself, but we've got quality and backup in terms of El Hamid and his ability to play on the right and in the middle. And especially domestically, I've got no issues with beat on. Um so for me that's a that's a solid back three. There is concerns slightly about pace, but you know, that can be mitigated with the pace that we've got um on the flanks in terms of how we set up and things like that. So not overly concerned about that. But back three I think is pretty obvious just now. I think the Obviously, for playing a three-five-two, you know the Forest injury kind of raises a question of, you know, if if he wasn't if he wasn't injured, I would imagine that Forest would have played in the game in a couple of weeks' time, and then you've got that debate between him and, and Frimpong. It, it is a tough one. It is a tough one because James Forrest, um, as we were talking about in a podcast, the last podcast I was on. Maybe he is a bit underappreciated in terms of the support. Um, you know, he, he, sometimes people are very quick to drop him. Um, but how do you keep, you know, how do you not pick Frimpong? I mean, he, he just brings so much to the table. I think with a, with a 3 5 2, I think you've got to be realistic and say Frimpong is the more natural player in that position. But, you know, it, it's a hard thing to sacrifice somebody like James Forrest. I think. You need to know if you're going with a formation, the worst thing you can do is try and shoehorn players in who don't fit into that. Now, Forrest, the, the thing about the 3-5-2 is we played a lot of our best football playing that last season. But I've said consistently, as of other cynics um, on podcasts, that it shouldn't just be that. We should be able to switch it up. That might be our go-to formation. That might be the main formation. Certainly, I think Lennon's going to air towards that, even if it's only because he's got two high-caliber forwards to keep happy. So the idea that Ajeti and, and Edward um, aren't going to play most of the games and would therefore need to play together is a bit daft for me. So, I, I, And you can see with the purchases that he's got that in mind. But at the same time, we should be able to go to four at the back, four at the back and have wide players. And that's where Forrest would come in. But if we're being honest, I'm not saying that Forrest's a better player, not a better player than Frimpong. But you'd have to be mental to say that he's not a better right wing back. I mean, there's only one choice there, and that's that's a fact, and that's not denigrating James Forrest. It's just in a three-five-two, he's second fiddle to Frimpong for me. Yeah, that that's the worry, and we've seen it before where Lennon has shoehorn players in, and it's failed spectacularly on occasion. Um, but without a shadow of a doubt, if we're going this three-five-two, and you need you need a right wing back, it has to be Frimpong all day. Um, that's not to say James Forrest can't come in and do a job. Um, we do have the ability to, to change it up during games, mix up the formation. Um, and it's great to have a player of James Forrest calibre 
um, you know, in the squad and and pushing, you know, he'll hopefully push for him a bit as well. Because you are looking at the squad now and there is players in all the positions that should be fighting for a first team spot, which you hope is going to elevate the players that have the jersey. So I think so far we've got Barkas and goals, back three of Julian Ayer, uh, Duffy, and then Laxalt, Frimpong in the wide areas. Midfield three, um, you know, we've we've tried it a couple of different ways now, players coming in and out. Um, so I suppose your main contenders are Scott Brown, David Turnbull, Ryan Christie, um, Tom Rogic, um, Olivier Cham, Cal McGregor. Cal McGregor picks himself. Yep. Brown, does Brown pick himself? Do we have to start him right now? I mean, I suppose we're going best 11, so... Best in whose eyes? Lennon picks Brown and that's not going to change. So do you, Brian. See, I suppose if we're going best, you're talking about McGregor picking himself and I think don't think MD would disagree with that. And I know we're going to talk about the best, so this is maybe a redundant point just now. But we've got that many players in there. And I made the point on the, the reaction. McGregor plays too much football. You know, Tierney played too much football. He plays 50, 60 games a season for us. Now, I know he does that and he does it consistently, but it's not good for him. If we are going to rotate, then McGregor should be in that for me as well at times. Not because he's not performing or whatever, but because it'd be better for him to get more time not on, the, you know, sorry, it'd be better for him not to play as many games because you can't do that for too long before it starts to have an effect. Um, but again, we're talking about the best 11, so I'll just shut up now. But what I'm saying is I think McGregor should be part of our rotation plans for his benefit as much as anything. Sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, as you say, I totally agree with Samani there. I've just I've kind of made some notes here and I've put Brown in my team. Um, I know that he shouldn't be used as much, but as it is the strongest starting eleven, um, I just did, I couldn't help but think of the next game, and I think that Brown will be in there, um, and I think we would all want him to be if we to choose a game that Brown had to start, it would be against them. So I think that Brown and McGregor are your two sitting midfielders um, for my in my eyes anyway. And, and who else would you have him with, Barry? Do you want to open it, open us up in a third? Um, I've gone with Cham, and I know the way I agreed with you at the weekend that I don't think he's been doing it because um, we've all been calling him, calling for him to play. Um, but I think back to last season when we sort of had Brown in the centre of a three uh, with McGregor on the left and then Cham on the right, um, and I think the positions that Cham was getting to there because he was given that freedom to sort of right hand to centre of the midfield um, to get forward, um, to take the ball from Frimpong or Forrest. Um, and I think that was the best football he's played for us. So I would kind of have a flat three, McGregor on the left, Brown in the centre and, and Sham and to the right of them. Right. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think looking at it realistically as to how we're going to play, I think Brown and McGregor are absolute definites in all the big games they're going to be your starters, whether I agree with it or not. And I do think Scott Brown should be rested more than he is. Um, but realistically, I think they're going to be your your two starters, guaranteed. So that leaves you then. You've got Cham, Christie, Turnbull, Rogic for that other that other position. And you could probably, depending on the game, you could probably pick anyone. My, my go-to would be Cham. 
but I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed with any of the other three. I'm uh, I'm going to drop Brown. I'm going to be consistent and not flip flop. Um, you know, can't can't say by any means necessary. I then put him in my best eleven, can I? So uh, I'm going to go with Encham, Encham uh, McGregor and Christie. I think would be my uh, first choice three. Um, I think Brown. You know, I think Brown has to come on and do jobs like he did at the weekend. Um, when we really needed him, he came on kind of done the intangibles, pushed them over the edge and, and we got the win. I think that's that that's what he can do for us in short spells when he's not blown out his ass. I think that's that's when you need Scott Brown and, and he can he can give you something and, and so be that, a difference. Is that, your, is that your midfield three in the seventeenth October Lee? Well, aye. Aye, that's my exclusive. So, to back up a bit, speaking of blown out his arse. Was that a number 75 I heard going over Tam Rogic? No. Oh, oh, oh. What a shout. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Tam. You're his only fan. And... <laughs> only fan, how dare you? Oh, Listen, <laughs> Tam, Rogic, Tam Rogic is too good to be wasting himself for 90 minutes with our shite team, right? <laughs> Tam Rogic will come on. He'll, he'll, do a, he'll do something with those four hands of his and he'll give you something for 10-15 minutes and then he'll go back back in his box <laughs> Tam's the greatest he can do what he wants but that would be my, my first choice three that is probably what I would start with in the game in the 17th Brian yes um, I think you've got you know David Turnbull I think he just needs time I, I don't think you can put him in and say he's a definite starter at this point I think he needs time to adapt and, and find his role in the team and then yeah you've got Tam and Brown are probably quite similar and that they're kind of specialist players to do a certain job at a certain time. That's what I'm going to go with. Um, that also leaves the likes of Ismail Asoro, who's probably technically, you know, technician-wise, he's probably the best player in the whole fucking league. Um, and then you've got the likes of Mikey Johnson, uh, Mohamed El Yunusi, you know, unless anybody's going to start him up front, you know, he's on the bench. Uh, James Forrest on the bench. And then... Samani, Luke O'Connell, Luke O'Connell. Um, alone, and that's because big things are going to happen at the club for Luca at some point. Do I predict them? He will make an appearance for Celtic before the season has finished. You heard it here first. Wow, you've really went out now and there. Um, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, um, right, let's go to strikers then. Um, I spoke about this on the reaction uh, at the weekend. Lee Griffiths, I would start him on the 17th. Not that I would, as I said, I don't want to make this about the 17th. Do, but, do you want to uh, win on the 17th, just so we're clear? Yes. <laughs> right, cool, cool. Um, however, wait, wait however, however, <laughs> let me backpedal a little bit. I'm not just the host, I'm the producer as well. If I want to backpedal, I will. Um, I still think if they are all fully fit and on form, I think Ajeti and Eddie are your first choice too. And there's just no getting no getting away from that. Um, Patrick Kalamala, I was you know, super impressed by the weekend, the way he took that goal. I, I think he's got a bigger role than maybe a lot of people would, would have predicted. Uh, and I really hope he's there and thereabouts and, and he gets minutes, um, him and Griffiths. But do you know what? See, as a four, I think that's four real quality. 
in there. Yeah, I'm really comfortable with that form now. Now, Griffiths had been written off by a lot of people. I'm going to say it again, like I did in the reaction. I wasn't one of them. Um, there's a guy who's made a career about proving so many people wrong. Now, that's not to excuse some of his behaviour and the condition he came back in after lockdown, but he's still got so much to offer us. Now, Edward and Ajeti are our first choice too. That goes without saying, even if it's just probably down to their price tags and and, and their, you know the quality they've proven um, previously. But I think what Sunday proven was is we've got Griffiths, who's Griffiths we appoint to prove is a huge, huge asset for us. And Klamala's still rough around the edges, but the desire and the, the commitment for that boy is absolutely unbelievable. You can't help but like him, even though you know there's still things in his game that he's going to kind of need to iron out. But um, after Sunday, even more so, I'm really comfortable with that as a front as a as a, a front four, you know, to pick from because I think they've all got attributes. Um, real, real quality in there, and, and that's something that um, uh, we're going to need at the course of the season. I think being able to play five substitutes is going to be huge because you could you could literally switch out the front two with another two players who are just choking to get on at it. So, um, really positive for me. I, I completely agree. I think that because Griffiths is working his way back in, and as you say, Salmani, that Kamal is kind of finding his feet and an up and coming player. I think they'll be happy um, to kind of not expect to play every game and there'll be more than enough games to rotate, um, play the two of them as a pair at some points or I'll drop one in beside Eddie or one beside Ayeti. But it's probably the strongest strikers-wise we've been in for as far as I can remember, really, in, the, in our recent history. Um, I always think back to see the sort of, not to bring in another team, but Man United when they had York and Cole and then t- they had Sheringham and Solskjaer to rely on. I think it just shows that if you've got that strength and depth, that teams can get blown away, particularly with the five five substitutes. So our two, sub, two strikers came on on Sunday and scored and there'll be plenty of games like that for them, I'm sure, this season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Eddie and Ayeti are the first choice, front two. Um Again, just with the way this season's panned out so far, we've not done a real opportunity to see them together, but I expect really big things of them. But it's brilliant to have you know a fit again Lee Griffiths back. I, I had written him off, but more to the f- on the basis of what I thought he was kind of done at the club. I thought the the comments from Lennon um, had, had basically resigned the club to to kind of phasing him out, and the fact he had a alleged calf injury for about four months. Um, there just seemed to be something there that like wasn't coming back. So the fact that he's got himself fit again, even got himself in the squad, and then to come on and really change the game at the weekend's brilliant. I think we're all really happy for him. Um, but, you know, huge credit to Klamala. Um, he's really done a job every time he comes on. He puts in so much effort, and he does make a difference. You see the way he plays, the way he pulls defenders about. Um, and, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that front four. He can feed off scraps, Klamala, as well. That's what I like about him. He'll chase loss because he can do a lot of just dirty work running about. Um, and sometimes that's what you need. He's the sort of guy that could probably help us win ugly at times, I think. So I think, I think it's fair to give him a special mention because we, we know about the qualities of the other three, if you know what I mean. They, they've established themselves either at, at Celtic or at other clubs at times or whatever. Um, but Klamala, a wee bit of more of an unknown quantity, but very impressed with him. Yeah, I think 
overall going through that, I think we can see that there is a there is a lot of quality there and, and quality, you know, as you say, some Annie, there's quality for the here and now, and then there's quality for the future as well. Um, you know, Aaron Aaron Connolly, um fellow cynic, is is asked on the on Twitter, he says, Are we worried about the potential squad rebuild next season with so many players only going to have twelve months left on their contract? Should we be active in January or is it seal the ten and worry about the rest later? Um at the Mikey Boy sixty seven also thinks there'll be a massive rebuild uh, in the off in next next season. Um you know I I kinda feel a bit I feel kind of two ways about this. I, I think if we get this season over, you know, and, and win the ten I think it's naturally a great point for change, a great time to to make some changes from top to bottom um, and decide, you know, what kind of club we want to be going forward. You can't deny that the pressure of the last three, four years especially has all been geared towards this season and this trying to get this achievement of 10 in a row. I think if we get it, players are naturally going to leave. But then we've also signed players the likes of Barkas, the likes of Turnbull, uh, the likes of Ajeti. So I don't think it's solely been focused on this year. I think there is a bit more long-term planning. I don't think it's going to be the drastic overhaul um, that people might think. But will the likes of and Chams go and Eddie's go and, and Ayers go? Yeah, I think they will. I think players like Callum McGregor, I think he'll stay. I think he'll be captain. And I, and I think, you know there'll be plenty of players that will still want to stay with the club. I don't think they're all going to be desperate to leave just because the 10 season's over because Celtic is more than just this one single achievement. But for me, I see it as a positive, not a negative. I'm not worried about it. I see it as a great chance for change. Is that is that naive or, or, or should we be worried about next season? I wouldn't worry about it because I think whether we like it or not, it is the perfect juncture for players to leave who may want to leave. Um, I, I don't think there's any other way around that. I'm not as certain on the likes of McGregor or Forrest. You know, guys like that certainly could play uh, in the upper echelons of the Premier League, but haven't to this this you know this stage. Now the club will then have to make a decision whether or not it's going to let go so many of its assets. Have they got an idea that they're going to just are they going to go next season? Right, the decks are cleared. Um, we're going to bring in the likes of Connell and, and a lot of these younger guys and try and build the side around them. Um, or are they not going to do that? Are they going to do it incrementally in stages? I, I really don't know, but it may also be dictated by the financial situation with the club because of what's happened. Now, we've obviously ponied up the uh, season book money, they've then put that into the squad, but it might be that. You know, no Champions League money this season as well. It might be that we have to make drastic changes, and that wouldn't only be getting big transfer fees in. It might be getting some of the bigger hitters' wages down as well. So there's a lot of things that can feed into it. There's a lot of players who literally might have been told, if you stay for this season, you can go. And that might not necessarily just be the guys that we're thinking in our head. It could be guys like McGregor and Forrest, I think. Um, but I'm not going to worry about it, because see if Celtic win 10 in a row, I don't think we've got much cause for complaints what happens after then, really, to be perfectly honest. So it's, I'm not worrying about it, but there's potential that it could be a complete turnover next season for me. I think we'll all be too, we'll all be too drunk to even realise. So <laughs> we'll sober up by this time next year and what will be, will be. Yeah, but I think, like you said about Nick Hammond, <clears throat> there is a long-term plan. Like, we've been bringing in 
younger players that are going out and loan a lot of them just now. They're doing well. Um, and you expect that to stand them in good stead for when they come back next year. I agree with Sir Manny. I, I think Callum McGregor might be wanting to move on. As much as I would love to see him stay at Celtic his whole career, captain the club, want even bigger and better things. I wouldn't begrudge him the chance to to you know take an opportunity, whether it is down south or even try um try a team abroad. Um I think that that might be one that yeah, he he might take the opportunity to move on after the time. I think <laughs> Would you? I mean, I, I guess we'll need to wait and see. I, I would just like to know. I, I want to know from the club what the strategy is. I don't want to be second guessing when we get to the transfer window next summer and, and see what happens and try to you know decipher it then. I'd like to know. I'd like to hear them say, look, we're going to go down this road. Or if that's not the case, then you know maybe standards will just stay the same and, and we'll stick with the status quo. Um, let's talk a wee bit about the game we, we've kind of mentioned it a few times the game at the weekend um, 2-0 against St Johnson um, thanks to goals from, from Griffiths and Klamala who both came on they both scored um, Griffiths scored 89th, 90th minute uh, Klamala just a couple of minutes later um, the performance wasn't great um, I think on the, the reaction uh, with me and Sarmani, I was uh, jubilant shall we say um, I, I was ecstatic. I, was, I mean, I was celebrating like mad when the, when Griffiths' goal went in. Um, but you know, when you when you look back at it, or you, you think back to it a couple of days later, you know, the performance really wasn't good. Why? Why is that? And how how concerned are you by it? I mean, the likes of Edward, for example. I mean, Lennon, Lennon, and the press said that it was the window that was getting to him. And, and I think that's the case with, with Eddie, probably. You would hope then that the next time we see him on the 17th, he'll be a different player and he'll be back to his best. He'll be more focused again. Especially when he's maybe got a, a bit of time to cool off if he is a bit annoyed that he never got his move. But why have why the performances just not been there? Do you think the window and all that uncertainty plays a part? Or is there something deeper, as, as maybe Samani alluded to previously on the, on the reaction? Can you elaborate on what you think the deeper thing is, Samani? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I, just, I, gonna... I mean, no, that's but... just for the paying customers. Well, <laughs> 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 I mean, we were talking about. I mean, Louis is right. I mean, we were all jubilant on the reaction for those that didn't didn't listen to it. But then when I was asked about the performance, I was honest. I said. It wasn't good. It, it it really wasn't a good performance, and I also said that the the Rogic and the Griffiths substitution smacked of a bit of desperation. I, I kind of still stand by that, even though they worked. You need to give them credit because they worked, but it still for me looked as if Lennon was saying, "I don't really know what to do." Um, but I think if you're talking about there was something deeper, I was maybe talking about Edward because I think most people would agree that that was one of his poorest performances in a Celtic jersey. And there was there was some obviously I speculated one that it could be the transfer window. It could be that he's been told he's not moving, or that clubs have come in and make bid for bids for him and they never met the club's asking price, which was then getting into his head and, and kinda of affecting how he was he was playing on, on the park. Lennon has came out and said um that the transfer window speculation did um interfere with his you know, his you know 
performances on the park. So you've got to hope now it's shut that he knuckles down and he just gets back to the form that he's been at. Because I don't know. They're, they're, we've speculated, and a lot of the times you've got to remember when we talk in this podcast that we are speculating out loud in terms of things in our head. But some of the performances this season have led you to think, is there a deeper malaise in the squad? Because it's been disjointed a lot of the time. I'm hoping that it was the speculation in the window because it wasn't just Edward. We've had Ayer, we've had Cham. Apparently two French clubs tried to loan him in the last day at the transfer window. So all these guys will be getting agents talking in their ears. There'll be this coming in and there'll be that coming in and it'll be difficult for them to concentrate. Now that the window's shut, I'm hoping that that's going to be it. We'll turn the corner. They're not moving. You're here to the very least until January and we can maybe start building up going forward. Um, because they haven't been good enough, the performances just now. But I'm prepared to I'm prepared to wait and see if that's what that is. And I'm hoping that it was just to do with all the speculation. I think there's been so much for them to contend with. With, <clears throat> let's say, the transfer window, even the whole pandemic thing. I mean, it's affecting everybody. And you know, it, it, footballers are, are impacted just as much as anyone else. As much as we hold them in such high esteem and expect so much more from them. It's probably impacting them as well. Um, I think the lack of crowds is really impacting us. Where there's there's you know maybe not the urgency um, from the team that they would get from you know a significant crowd behind them. We're also played pretty much every team we've played. They've played the exact same way. You know, just defend for their lives, defend really deep, um, ten men behind the ball, and it's really really difficult to break down. But it's been there's been poor performances. But when you look at what we've achieved. We've dropped two points in the league. We've essentially got a game in hand to go top of the league when, you know, we're all getting told after the whole Bolly thing we were going to be 11 points behind. It was a big disaster. We've had a great transfer window. Um, everybody's quite buoyant. So um, we're going into a break in a really, really good place. And now everything's sort of settled down. Um, there's no, you know, no more transfer speculation. Um, the team can bond, get together, and I think we'll see this could be our Dubai. They can't bond and get together. Um, Brian, have you not been looking at what's happening out there? The restrictions <laughs> in place. You're the right ask for that one, pal. Anyway. Listen, listen. As a as a podcast producer, um, I am willing to produce team meetings for Celtic if the, if they so desire. I have the the logins. I think the point you've made though there is, is spot on though. For a team who really hasn't gelled this season and has put in some quite poor for performances. The results that we've had, certainly domestically, have been nothing short of fantastic. Let's not forget, if Julian hadn't had a brain fart and conceded that penalty against Kilmarnock, we would have won every single game uh, in the the league this season. That's remarkable when you compare it to how we've played. So you have to give the credit to this squad for what they continue to do domestically. Now we're, we're in Europe. Okay, it's the Europa League and we would have preferred the Champions League. That's nailed down. We've got these games. Fantastic. The window's now shut. Fantastic. You've got to hope that people will knuckle down and we'll just start to jail, even if that's a socially distanced jail. <laughs> so that's quite a good phrase, that. Um, so, you know, obviously the, the the game, the next game is a Rangers game. And as I say, we're going to, we'll preview that next week. So I don't want to go uh, too much into that. We also had a game during the week in Europe, um, the Sarajevo game. You know, not really a game that I want to get into. Um, you know, again, it was one of those where the performance was questionable. Um, despite his dominating, you know, we dominated the game, but 
we seem to have an issue sometimes just making clear cut chances. Um, we took the goal and, and thankfully got the result. But you know, I suppose in the playoff, it's just all about getting through, and, and we've got through. But do you have any concern with how we've played so far in, in the kind of qualification rounds for the Europa League? Obviously, we had the disappointment of going out in the Champions League, and, and we've dropped in and had to play a couple of games in this. But you know. Is it just a case of let's just forget about all of that and focus on the group stage and it's a fresh start? Yeah, I think so. I think because it's it's the same every season, mind you, and particularly this season where we have been quite flat, but the ultimate goal is to get group stage football, whether it be Champions League or Europa League. We've done that now, again, um, just to go back on the points you mentioned previously about the window shutting. We know what the squad is. That squad will need to be registered soon for Europe. Um, and I think the draw that we got is could potentially have been a Champions League group in, in previous years. So I think we just need to put the qualifiers behind us. We got there by hook or by crook, um, and I think you'll see the performances improve domestically as well as European football now. Yeah, I think in terms of Europe and the qualifiers, it's just about getting through. Could not care less how we performed, it's just about getting through different in the league where you want to obviously see good performances and good results but these qualifiers particularly this these one-off games doesn't matter um it's get the result getting through to the next stage is the most important thing um and i'm really excited about the group it's a bit weird we got the second best team in every single pot and um, we were also pretty excited about pot one and it didn't really work out the way we anticipated but it's tell, a great tell, group. tell us the teams brian you run through the teams uh, Slavia Prague, AC Milan, and Lille. Sparta Prague. You, Sparta edit, Prague. Sparta Prague. You are on edit, edit point. Edit point. Edit point. See, yeah. I, set, so. I set him up for that field. <laughs> I knew he didn't know. That was almost Mo- as Mo-Fi bad as, as Ramon Badwaj when he said uh, the Dutch team. Sparta Prague. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the city right. Um, but it is, it is a group that's really exciting, and that's what you want in the Europa League. You can get these groups where there's teams. There's, there's nothing about them, you know, it's not, there's not a great appeal to them. But getting AC Milan is, is, is great. Um, and even Lille, obviously, they've got, I think they've spent quite a bit of money. Um, must have some amount of money if they've made 50 million pound bids for Morelos and stuff like that. But, and even Prague, you know, it's, it's a good team, um, good European pedigree. So I'm really excited about it. It's, there is parallels to the group stages last season. Um, excuse me, obviously, we, You've got Milan in Lazio, and Milan have been in good form since the turn of the year in Serie A. Um, Lille are probably comparable to Ren. We were told that they were big spenders last season and that you know we should look out for them. And rightly or wrongly, you know, I'm, I'm going to equate Sparta Prague to Cluj uh, in terms of the quality of the league that they come from. So I can see the obvious parallels there. What my initial reaction was a wee bit, that's a, not a very kind draw, but I think it's a group where we can beat every one of those teams and every one of those teams could beat us, which is exciting. It's it's exciting. Um, it's not a group we can't get through. Um, and I think that um, if we perform to a level we will, the level that we know that we can, we will get through it. But it's exciting enough, you know, names-wise, um, that it, it, it should be great for us to watch. But I'm pretty excited about it. I don't, I don't think it's an insurmountable challenge for us. Well... Where do you think it ranks in terms of importance now? 
I mean, we spoke about it before when we were talking about the Champions League. I mean, we spoke about European football in general, but obviously, the start of the season we were we wanted qualification for the Champions League. Does being in the Europa League does that diminish the priority in any way, or you know, is it kind of we have to make sure that we do our absolute best in this because it will help us in the league? Yeah, I think yeah, we have to do our absolute best. I think Alan said was it maybe. I think it was maybe in the preview last week that he was saying that when you play these higher calibre of teams, it raises the performance levels um, and it kind of shows the players that the levels that they need to get to and the levels that they can get to as a Celtic player. And the knock-on effect of that is that if they can get to those levels, then they can raise their game even further in domestic uh, competition. So I think it gives the season another sort of facet, another bit of interest, um, particularly to keep, not that this season needs any more interest because we're going for the 10, but I think it's a sort of welcome distraction. Um, and I would take it as a gimme this year because we know that we want the 10 more than anything. And if we can go out and do our best in Europe, qualify, um, then so be it. But I think just take the games as a gimme and just enjoy it. That's what I would be saying. I tell you one thing it does, it, it, it brings up crazy fixtures and, and a, a run of fixtures over the course of the rest of October, November. This is the run we go, go through. So we've got Rangers, AC Milan, Aberdeen, Lille, Aberdeen, Sparta Prague, Motherwell, Hibs, Sparta Prague. <laughs> you know, that is some run of fixtures. I'm not going to lie, I'm a wee bit worried that because it's so congested that especially the games in Europe that we're going to struggle when we come back that you know the likes of you know playing Sparta Prague on the Thursday and then being away to Motherwell on the, on the Sunday things like that but that's just me probably you know worrying too much but that's got to come into it a wee bit I mean it's it's what happens when you're a, a team in Europe and, and it's a sign of success I suppose but it when you're trying to go for 10 in a row, it is going to be something that we're going to have to contend with and, and make sure that we don't suffer domestically. Just you being your usual pessimistic self, Louis. Um, how, right. how, how exciting is that run of fixtures? That's exactly what you want. And like Barry said, that this is our opportunity to go to the levels that we expect this team to be reaching. You know, you'd much rather be having that run of fixtures than essentially what we've had before, which is turgid. You know, you're not really getting up for Kilmarnock and Livingston and Ross County and, you know, Reykjavik and it's all a bit dull and bland um, and we've, that's maybe been um, what we've seen in the performances, but now the players are going to have to raise their game and I'm really, really looking forward to this next run of fixtures. I, I would agree that I'm looking forward to it, but what I would suggest is, Louis, if you want to run through that list of fixtures again, because let's see how good you are as a producer. Go. Rangers, AC, Milan, Aberdeen, Leo, Aberdeen, Sparta, Prague, Motherwell, Hibs, Sparta, Prague. I would suggest that we won't win every one of those games. Um, so, I... <laughs> who's been better? Celtic, Celtic pundit Christopher Sarmani suggests. Should so I suppose what I'm saying is so. So what ones do you want to lose? Is that what you're saying, Sarmani? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, as a support, you know we. It's so heightened. This this season is so heightened, right? We've got such a hard run of games, but see as a support, see if we lose or, you know, we drop points in some of those games, there'll be uproar. And that's just because 
it's a demanding football club to be at, but it's so intense just now. So when you read that out, I'm going, that's exciting, but we ain't going to win all of them. And I'm just wondering what the reaction will be like from me as well as anybody else, because, you know, we're, we're a reactionary bunch, but it, that's going to be hard. We ain't going to come out of that unscathed. So it's it's nervous. It's exciting, but it's a nervous excitement, I'd say. I think as well, we spoke about the squad depth. Every player in that squad is going to, you would hope, have a part to play in that because there's no way that you can pick, I know we picked the strongest 11, but there's no way that you can pick, play them for every single game. So the likes of Kamal and Griffiths, you mentioned Sorrow and Rogic, there'll be games where they'll, they'll just need to play um, and you hope that they're ready. Um, the only sort of negative I can see there is how exciting would it be that one of fixtures if we were going? You know what I mean? If the fans were there, you'd be buzzing for every Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Sunday, whatever. Um, and you just can't get enough of the games. But we just need to make do with what we can. But I think all what we got a squad of almost 30, you would hope that at least 20, 22 of them are getting rotated where possible. Um, and yeah, it's just exciting and bring it on. Can't wait. Andrew Angus uh, asks on, on Twitter, where do you see our points coming thro- from in the Europa League? Um, for me, I, I think we can take uh, four from each team, three three wins and three draws. Um, you know, AC Milan, there's, you know, there's much to be said for the, you know where they are right now in Italian football and all that sort of thing, but you can't be naive and think that, you know, we're going to, we're going to be better than AC Milan, even when they're, they're a poor kind of shadow of what they used to be. Um, you know, all the teams, as Brian says, are probably the best teams that we could have drawn in all the pots. Um, so it's a it's, it's a tough one. Where do the points where are the points going to come from? I think as as kind of every European run, we just need to focus on our home form and and try and do our absolute best to win the games at home. I think that never. I don't think that ever should change and never does change. When you play at home in Europe, you expect to win, and we can't kind of lose that mentality. So I think winning the home games is is the minimum. And then, as we've seen last year, you know, going away to Lazio and and Ren. We can we can adapt under Neil Lennon. I think that's one positive of his management and his approach in Europe is that he is a bit more pragmatic and he, he possibly does set us up better when we're, we're away in Europe than the the rat. Um, the rat did. And by the way, just on the rat, his team gets scalped at the weekend. Rat watch. Coming soon. Um, yeah, it's coming soon. If you don't know what rat watch is, it's a segment on me and some Annie's uh, spin-off. I'll ask somebody McCaffrey. Um, Where's that available, Lee? Eh? Uh, the cynic.co, Brian. Um, I know you're not a subscriber yourself, but you should be. Shame on you. Yeah, um, I've heard good things. So where are we getting the points, Brian? Happy, positive, lol, supporting Brian. Where are we getting the points? Every <laughs> single game. Winning every game. <laughs> <laughs> Just as Samani said earlier on, every single game is winnable, and we could lose, we could lose, lose them just as easily. It's a really, really tough group, and even you know you do have the sort of the normal mantra, "Yep, win all your home games," but we do quite well away in Europe these days. So, um, you're, you're going to be looking at um, is it Sparta, or Slavia, Prague? I forgot again. The, the team from Prague. <laughs> you want to beat them home and away? You're on the sauce. <laughs> um, Czech beer, yeah. So um, AC Milan, you're 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 just wanting to take four points off of them would be great. Um, 
but yeah, it's maybe pushing it a bit. Been seeing that we took six off Lazio, so I'm I'm just looking forward to some good football. See, just on that, and Samara, you might know better. Do you think AC Milan will take this as seriously as you would as they would like? Do you think? I said that on the reaction um, or, the, or the preview. Can't remember. I'm on a couple of podcasts. Big thing. I've been struggling this week. That's why I've been on. No, I, I think if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, we benefited from that with Lazio last season. Now. That's not to say that they, they didn't turn up and try or anything like that, but it's a fact that Italian clubs don't seem to be as invested in the Europa League as some other countries um, do. So I do think we will benefit from that, absolutely. Um, not necessarily going to make it easier, but it may affect their intensity a bit. And, um, you know, I, I don't want it. I'm not, I'm definitely not disparaging um, what we did last season against Lazio because that was strong, strong sides they put out and they turned up. But I certainly think our hunger and desire to win it helped us over the line that they maybe won't have similar to Milan in the Europa League this season. We uh, we did have one other question from uh, Tim Jong on uh, on Twitter, but we're not going to answer it tonight because I need time to think. He said, if the current Celtic squad were to be the cast in the Sopranos, who would play Tony, Christopher, Silvio and Polly? I think that's a great question. And if you're listening, if you're a Sopranos fan, send us your uh, send us who you would think who you think would play them, and uh, I think we'll cover that we'll cover that next week because that's a belter. Um, I'll, I'll, just, I think- I'll just quickly say, I think you're Polly, mate, and we'll come back to this question. But you, you've you, listen. I'd love to be Polly Walnuts. Are you joking? I'm, in fact, you're a bit more Polly with that grey hair at the side there, Samani. But uh, you know, all grey, so that's that's no Polly, you know. Let's get the wings. But anyway. Let's get the wings. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely come back to that. Listen, this has been great. Um, I I am 100% sure that this is recorded. It, <laughs> say, it says recording at the top. My only concern is how do I stop it recording? So I'm on my way to figure that out. But so Manny, you've been your, your usual insightful self as a the chief pundit on the cynic. That sounded slightly sarcastic, but I appreciate the praise, Louis. Thank you. Always a pleasure. To record with you if it's recorded. <laughs> if it's recorded, I oh god, I hope so because it's gotta be gotten if it's my fault. Uh Barry, perfect as always. Thanks very much. Really enjoyed it, mate. And here we go, ten in a row. You're a you're a fellow teacher, one of life's heroes. You deserve that October break. You enjoy it. I you enjoy it too, mate. <laughs> Thank you. And uh Brian McManus, he doesn't know at least he knows he's in Prague, he doesn't know which team he supports, but that's exactly it. Um, this has been great. Really enjoyed it. And I, I do, uh, I'm going to say a wee prayer for you, Louis, that you don't make a mess of this. Um, and just to clarify, you said, if it's your fault, if this goes wrong, it can only be one person's fault. So it's all on you, mate. Well, it's, uh, the account says Christopher Gallagher, so I'm, bl- I'm blaming him. <laughs> uh, anyway, this, is, uh, this has been the Cynic Weekly, and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.